Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Yesterday, voters in the St. Louis region cast their ballots to decide on several key issues. Two of the biggest ones we've been covering at STLPR is, one, who will be leading St. Louis's 14 wards, and two, whether and where legal marijuana will be taxed. Joining us with takeaways about those results, we've got St. Louis Public Radio journalists Rachel Lipman and Jason Rosenbaum. Rachel and Jason, thanks for being here. I hope you got in a little shut-eye and a, a lot of coffee if you drink it before coming There's to never the enough station. caffeine for the Wednesday after an election. <laughs> um, so, Rachel, there were some people using a particular hashtag, which we talked about in their social media posts, about yesterday's election. Was that just about the reduction of wards from 28 to 14 or something else? No, the first uh, reference I could see to this hashtag you're talking about, which was Aldergeddon, was in 2018. It's a quick search, so it's absolutely nothing unique to the uh, 2023 races. I think it's mostly an attempt by online people to describe the chaos that can be local politics. I think we have to keep in mind that most people in the city are not on Twitter, and if they are, are not as hyper on Twitter as some of us, and probably didn't even know that the hashtag existed. All right, so insofar as an epic battle. Was there one in in the elections? And I mean, what did the results show? I think the results show that the progressive movement that elevated both Jatara Jones and Megan Green to power now has a pretty strong grip if they can hold themselves together on certain issues on the politics in the city of St. Louis. And who... Who won yesterday? Oh, I mean, there were a wide variety of individuals who who won. The the key races were uh, in uh, where two incumbents challenged each other because of that downsizing. That was in the fourth ward where Brett Narayan beat incumbent Joe Vaccaro. Uh, he, Narayan, you know, casts his alliances where he thinks he can advance the best. He actually was aligned with Lewis Reed before Lewis Reed was indicted, but mm-hmm. he did pick up the endorsement of Megan Green in this round. The second race where two incumbents challenged each other was down in, or excuse me, up in the new 12th Ward, which is the northwest side of the city. That's where Norma Walker, the newest alderman, newest alderwoman and member of the board, uh, was defeated by Pam Boyd. Mm-hmm. And was that a pretty close contest? None of the races were particularly close last night, no. Okay. No, Alderman Tom Oldenburg, who is part of the faction that is opposed to the progressives, won Ward 2 with nearly 60% of the vote. Well, I certainly think it depends on the issue, for the most part. Uh, You know, while I think that there is a majority of folks who would identify as progressive, the Black Caucus still remains very strong, and there's still no love lost between the caucus and white progressives. So I do believe that there's still going to be a heck of a lot of compromise that has to take place down at the Board of Aldermen. Rachel, can you share a bit about this particular group that Tom Oldenburg is part of? I, I mean, Tom Oldenburg is sort of his own individual. He's mm-hmm. the most conservative member of the board of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen, I think now, certainly. He's referring to there the Black Caucus, which is obviously the black elected officials on the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. What I think he was referring to there, though, was the sort of old guard of the Black Caucus. Mm-hmm. And many of those individuals are now off the board. 
So there's a, a new generation that has come in. And as far as new people, people who have won um, these seats, who have never served in, in these kinds of political offices before, who who's new? So the only real political newcomers uh, were Daniela Velazquez, who's now serving in the 6th Ward, and Michael Browning, who is serving in the ni- new ninth Ward, which is sort of in and around the medical complex, Central West End, Forest Park Southeast, etc. There are two other new members of the Board of Aldermen. That will be Alicia Sonier and Rasheen Aldridge. Neither of them, however, are new to politics. Alicia Sonier ran for school board unsuccessfully and then was nominated to the board, and Obviously, Rasheen Aldridge is currently a state representative. He will have to resign that seat before he's sworn in. Mm-hmm. In terms of these wins and losses, there were obviously a few um, who did not get in maybe where they were expected to um, to win. As a whole, what do they suggest about where the city can go, like how much progress can be made on and some of the things that people are really concerned about. Well, I think as Tom Oldenburg said in his quote, it will take some compromise to move the their agenda forward. You know, on some of these issues, yes, the progressives will be online. Megan Green last night told me that she wants to focus on tenants' rights issues and uh, what she calls transforming public safety. But she's also acknowledging that she will have to make some compromises and that her door will always be open. You know, progressives are not a monolith in the city of St. Louis. There will have to be some compromises and some deals made, of course. They Mm -hmm. need to represent their wards as well as the entire city. And that's a balance that these new members, as well as the old members, are going to have to figure out a way to strike. And to that point, Jason, you had the chance to talk with St. Louis Mayor Tishara Jones last night. She told you she sees future collaboration with the new board and that she hopes the board can um, keep some things a little closer to the vest. Well, I've already been delivering on my promises. So um, and it's and it um, it fortunately helps when you have uh, a number of people who are uh, who are like minded and who also want to see the city win again. Um, I I don't expect us to agree on everything, but I do expect us to uh, to disagree privately um, and not put it out as a show for everybody to see. So you're nodding, Jason. <laughs> well, it remains to be seen whether that happens. I am oftentimes there are issues that nobody foresees that kind of break political allies apart. Rachel and I both remember uh, vividly how the fight over funding a hypothetical and never realized NFL stadium caused former friends, Lewis Reed and Megan Green, to become bitter enemies. So I think what Mayor Jones is referring to there is I don't think she expects unanimity on every issue. Uh, You know, Brett Narayan told me yesterday that he doesn't even really like to be defined as a progressive because each issue can change depending on how he and his constituency feels about that. But I've heard the same thing about Ann Schweitzer, too, now of the first ward. So that's a south east part of the city that, you know, they focus on representing their constituents. But continue, Jason. Well, and, and I also just think that the city has a lot of monumental challenges ahead of it, like. The crime problem is in, has been endemic for a number of years, if not decades. But I think that there is some expectation that this progressive faction actually has to move the needle and reduce crime. And also, with all the money that's available to the city, 
I think there's also expectation that something is done with it that actually makes city residents' lives better. And I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind, too, is, as well, is that because of the transition to 14 wards, all of the aldermen had to be up at once. They had to reset. But to stagger the terms, some of these individuals are running for two-year terms. Some of these individuals are running for four-year terms. Mm. And how they see the landscape in their ward and how they perform may also constrain on what issues they decide to align. Then there's the mayor's race in 2025. Are people going to want to take a run at her protected by the fact that they're running for a four-year term? Mm-hmm. We're discussing the results of last night's election with STLPR correspondents Rachel Lipman and Jason Rosenbaum. We had you in, Jason, not too long ago to talk about Proposition M. Did the election itself end up being an epic battle over taxes on marijuana? Uh, No, (laughs) it was not an epic battle. I would say for the vast majority of ballot items in cities and counties, although there were some that failed in, 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 uh, um, I think, North St. Louis County, Mm -hmm. most of them passed overwhelmingly. There were not opposition campaigns here. Even people that I think are not enthusiastic about paying a lot of taxes on marijuana products, I, I, I think they knew that a trade-off of it being legal, would they would have to pay some sort of taxation. It's still lower than Illinois. It is still lower than Illinois. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I don't I, know this from personal experience, but I, household I, experience. <laughs> I, I, neither do I. Um, but I, I do think that um, it's not surprising that a lot of these passed because there really wasn't a good reason not to implement them. Uh-huh. Was there anything at all about muni-level results that that stood out? Um, yeah, Rachel mentioned that there were several um, African-American municipalities in St. Louis County that uh, I think rejected them. And also uh, she mentioned that I think some of the African-American wards in the city Mm-hmm. also rejected the city marijuana tax. So I don't know if that's a that's just a desire to have cheaper marijuana or maybe mistrust that the governments are going to spend that money efficiently. It, it's hard to kind of peer into voter decision-making there, but mm-hmm. it could be a combination of both things. Uh, Jason, the other one that we were noting, too, is that incredibly narrow margin in the Ferguson mayor's race, where incumbent Ella Jones staved off a challenge from uh, Nick Kassoff, a white resident of Ferguson, um, one of it, it's sort of a leading. He would be out there during the Michael Brown protests, right. um, but is still kind of a, I won't say God, I hate. I don't want to use the term gadfly, but... No, he's been a longtime resident of mm-hmm. Ferguson, and he was active in the Ferguson protests. I know him very well. Mm-hmm. I've quoted him many times so in my I. Ferguson so coverage. And, you know, I think that the, that, that race was actually pretty heated because Kassoff, you know, has a, a dedicated record from many years ago of being very conservative. From talking with him, I think that he has changed his political views on things. He tends to be more libertarian on issues. Um, But he also was just very, you know, he was very driven to action by Michael Brown's death. And I think it did change him. And I think it was very notable that that race was so close. It could signal that there's a lot of dissatisfaction with Ella Jones and how the city is being run right now. Yeah, that'll be interesting to, to see and to, to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, before we leave uh, marijuana taxes, <laughs> we did have um, a, a quote from Steve Elman, the St. Louis, uh, I'm sorry, the St. Charles County executive. 
And he seems pretty sure that they've got a good thing going. I mean, there's a dispute over whether countywide taxes can be collected at all dispensaries within a county border or just unincorporated areas. If, if somebody challenges it, I'm quite sure that the courts are going to agree with, uh, with my attorney and, and myself that uh, the section that deals with taxation makes it quite clear that it is a countywide tax, and that means St. Louis County can collect it everywhere, uh, Franklin County can collect it everywhere, and so can St. Charles County if the people give us the right to do that. So is it as clear as he says it is? I, I No, it's not, <laughs> because the, uh, the the marijuana industry and municipalities uh, do not want, quote-unquote, stacking, which we talked about extensively on a previous episode of St. Louis on the Air. And the Department <laughs> of Revenue didn't actually help either. No. Right. They so, deliberately muddied the waters. So I think this is going to end up in court. It's a decision that will have major financial implications for counties. It's the difference between a place like St. Charles collecting I don't know, a million dollars and zero dollars and a place like St. Louis County collecting three million dollars and maybe less than a million dollars. We don't know, of course, what sales are going to be in some of these dispensaries. These are all, you know, approximations. The city itself didn't even put a financial... uh, statement out, uh, financial estimate out for the tax so, impact. So, Elaine, if you're asking what the epic battle with marijuana is going to be, it's going to be an epic battle in court to decide mm-hmm. whether the countywide taxes um, apply everywhere or just unincorporated areas. Well, and there'll be snacks at this epic battle? <laughs> um, there should be, shouldn't there? Snacks always help. <laughs> but, I mean, it's then the taxes, from what I was reading, the, the piece that you had um, published, was that they'll, be start, they'll start collecting them in October. So mm-hmm. is that what we can expect is the epic court battle to play out before October arrives, it's hard to say. It's not out of the question that maybe that that that, that court proceeding goes beyond October. But I mean, it probably needs to be resolved by then because that's the difference between whether countywide taxes get collected at all dispensaries or unincorporated areas. So I, it hasn't has a real impact. I think the question becomes then, though, what is standing? You know, if these taxes aren't being collected yet, who is harmed by? them either being collected or not being collected. And I don't have the answer to that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on the radio, but. Yeah, it would probably be a dispensary in like a, a municipality that says that they're being damaged because they have to offer marijuana at a higher tax, but we'll see. So as we finish up, I want to get to Prop C mm-hmm. because that is something that you, you have covered, Rachel. Um, and it did pass. Very, right? very narrowly, but yes. <laughs> so what do you think that indicates about appetite for change? I mean, I think it was presented correctly as an opportunity to really take an in-depth, comprehensive look at evaluating the city charter. Um, some of the fear may have been that it was going to be this group makes the decisions, there's no say from the voters, and that's not the case. Any decision that these individuals make, whether or not to put charter amendments forward, those amendments would go to the voters in the first place. But even the most casual observer of St. Louis city politics can realize that the charter is a mess, and Mm -hmm. the piecemeal way that it's been attacked or uh, addressed recently with... um, 
uh, ballot initiatives, et cetera, can leave some pretty serious gaps. And I think the way to do it is to take a comprehensive look at it and see what parts don't exactly match the other parts and address it all at once holistically, rather than it being an individual group pushing the issue. Well, we'll look forward to updates on all of these issues in future segments. I hope you get some rest well-deserved. Rachel Lipman is STLPR's justice reporter, and Jason Rosenbaum is the politics correspondent for STLPR. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.